What's up everyone and welcome to episode 144 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. Uh, hope everyone's well, hope everyone's had a, a lovely week. We are back in form two weeks in a row after uh, the absence of me being away on tour. Um, just want to say a massive thank you for everyone that checked out uh, last week's episode with uh, Tom from Gender Roles. Uh, and all the positive feedback from from that episode and the positive feedback of us being back this show being back um it's always great to to hear from people um so yeah not really a whole lot going on for for me this week um i did go to see uh parasite at the cinema which was really cool got to go hang out with uh liam and serena from svalbard as they're down they were down in southampton recording their third record um so yeah went out for dinner with them and then went and saw parasite which i've got to be totally honest despite all like the the hype and the awards and everything that the film got i didn't really know a whole lot about it going into it so i was kind of going in blind but i was like well and truly impressed um if you get the chance to go and see it then i highly recommend you do and to be honest i think the less you know about it going in the better the film is um so yeah that was uh uh one cool thing i did this week i can't remember if i mentioned it this last week or not but i did go and see uh napalm death and uh i hate god in the old fire station in bournemouth which was really really rad um napalm death just never seemed to fail really like they're a band that's been going for years and they just keep grinding and churning excuse the pun um but yeah they were really cool and it was nice to to sort of see so many friends at that show as well which was really cool um just another quick one uh before we get into to this week's guest um i mentioned last week that obviously the first issue of an insight magazine was finally out in the world um and i encouraged everyone to go purchase a copy uh literally as i put the record uh the record I wish it was a record. Last week's episode out, uh, all the editions sold out. So, if anyone picked up an edition of the first issue of the magazine, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, the biggest thank you. Like, it's something I never expected to to happen. Um, I've always kind of wanted to create a magazine. It's like the reason I got into journalism was because I wanted to to be a magazine writer. I wanted to write for for Kerrang! and 442 and Empire Magazine and then I thought well fuck it I'm going to do it off my own back and yeah okay it's only a small little thing and we only did a small run of 50 this time round but they sold out people bought them and I'm super stoked so yeah just wanted to kind of take a moment to say a massive thank you for anyone who, who grabs a copy um, issue 2 is well underway just kind of putting the final pieces of the puzzle together uh, and hoping to kind of get that out into the world sort of mid-March, if all goes to plan. Um, we know things didn't necessarily go to plan last time, but I haven't given myself sort of strict deadlines with this. It's not going to be a monthly thing. It's not going to be a weekly thing. It's just going to be an as-and-when thing. So I don't want to put too much pressure on myself because it is just me at the moment. Um, but yeah, again, massive, massive thank you for everyone who checked it out. Um yeah, I'm going to quit rambling on. We're going to get into this week's guest because it was a fucking awesome chat. Uh, this week I am joined by founding member and vocalist of Meth, uh, Seb Alvarez. 
Um, during the discussion, we talk about obviously the creation of meth, starting off uh, of it being a, a bedroom project, and kind of evolving from there. Um, we talk about obviously, uh, not obviously, but we talk about uh, Seb sort of starting off on drums and kind of experimenting from there. Uh, how he's kind of always drawn to sort of like the more noisy elements of music and sort of like the avant-garde hardcore world um and how he just sort of immerses himself within like the subject matter of his his music and his art because like if you're familiar with meth like we get very deep into this in the conversation but mother of red light is kind of a concept album um and he fully researches and and puts himself in the position of the character of that record and this isn't something new this is something that he'd done in other projects as well which again we we discuss in this this week's episode um before we do get into it though a quick little caveat so my laptop decided to completely kill itself uh this week and go on a massive reboot so i actually have lost part of the original audio file so um if halfway through this week's episode the audio changes it's because i had to rely on my backup recorder um so I do apologise if the quality in the audio isn't as great as it normally is, but that's the thing with technology that we are so reliant on it, unfortunately. But that being said, I've still managed to capture everything. There's just a slight the the only thing that I've I've managed to tweak it as much as I can, but there is a little sort of dip in the the volume. But apart from that, it's all gravy. But I just wanted to give that caveat before we kind of went into things just in case anyone's like oh it doesn't sound any good or whatever i know it's my bad well it's not my bad it's my fucking laptop's bad for being a piece of shit but it's out there we got it done and i'm really happy to present you with this conversation with seb so please sit back enjoy the conversation i have and i'll see you on the other side Joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is the man behind uh, Meth, Seb Alvarez. Seb, thank you very much for taking some time out of your day to have a little chat with me. Uh, how is everything in your world? How is everything in Camp Meth at the moment? Um, everything's been great. Um, we just uh, did a quick little Midwest run um, with our friends in Greek Death. Um, and uh, yeah, and then we have like a full west coast run um going on next month and in april does it feel like i I don't know because obviously we'll get into it in a bit more detail later on but like from the tail end of last year to the beginning of this year like there seems to be a lot of momentum sort of behind you at the moment so does it feel like you guys are super busy at the moment um it always feels like we're super busy (laughs) (laughs) um we had like a couple months off uh from like October, November, but I mean, even then, it was just like I mean, we're constantly just like talking and planning things, and um, yeah, I never really feel like I get to uh, rest that much, but yeah, it's like I, I love it anyway. So it's totally fine. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, as as always, the show is called Justin Insight. I always like to take my guests back to their their roots and their origins, so to say. So how I'd like to open this up is to ask, Seb, how did you 
get into alternative music? What was your kind of first exposure to alternative music? Um, honestly, um, like when I was growing up and everything, my brother um, got me kind of into like the more heavier realm of music, right. but like uh, more like new metal. Stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When I was younger, um, I was, like, really into, like, corn and uh, Mudvayne and, like, uh, Limp Bizkit and all that stuff when I was, like, I don't know, like, in fourth grade, fifth grade. Yeah. And then, um, I went to, like, a warp tour going into sixth grade um, and saw, like, Poison the Well and uh, um, The Used and Vendetta Red and, like, all these... Um, just, like, first times I'd seen bands that, like, really, like, screamed and yeah. everything. Um, and I just remember being, like, like, whoa, that's pretty, like, that's nuts. Like, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, like, just, like, that presence of um, those uh, musicians and, like, the, the front people for those bands as well. Just, like, being, like, very, like, high energy and just, like, interacting with the crowd and everything was very, um, like... It was, it was pretty uh, mind-boggling for me. Um, and so, like, I got into a lot of, like, those bands, and then that branched into me getting into, like, like Blood Brothers and, like, Fear Before the March Flames and, uh, like, Daughters um, yeah. early high school and stuff like that. And then, uh, yeah, just kind of, like, spiraled into a billion different, like, subgenres from there. <laughs> yeah. so. and, and just purely because you, you've brought up Poison the Well... Are you hyped about their their sort of reunion, or are you not really into the whole reunion sort of thing? Um, I actually, what's funny is like, like that set I saw was like super, um, like I think detrimental for me for like uh, like heavier music. But I have never really listened to Poison. Oh wow, well, okay, fair enough. That, which is like kind of funny, but um, I mean that's cool that they're doing like a reunion. Um, I'm always, I'm always cool with the bands doing the reunions and stuff just like re-picking up momentum if um if there is um like if there's people interested in stuff and they want to like do it why not you know? yeah and so, so you mentioned obviously kind of like getting into sort of like new metal and stuff so is, is your brother older younger uh my brother's older um he's five years older than i am um so he showed me a ton of like the music i got into um in like middle school high school for um, a lot of it, and then um, the tables kind of flipped um, after I started getting like kind of neurotic and uh, just like digging into trying to find as much music as I could. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, later on, so. Um, but yeah, no, he yeah showed me a bunch of stuff, and he doesn't really listen to much of that at all anymore, which is kind of funny. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like in the apart from kind of him sort of like showing you the bands, what, what was it the kind of, I guess sort of like the, the latter stuff when you were saying like the whole kind of Blood Brothers, Fear Before the March Flames kind of thing, was it just the kind of abrasiveness that of, of them kind of like being this kind of like scatty, screaming sort of music that kind of drew you to it? What was it that kind of pulled you towards that kind of sort of sub-genre of metal, so to say? Um, I think it was just because it felt like it was different than a lot of other things that were going on at the time, and, like, I had never really heard music like that before, and it was just so, um, 
just there was just so much going on that I hadn't heard, um, especially with like Blood Brothers and um, just like how Fear Before would change their sound with like every record, and then hearing Hell songs of like when it came out and everything was just like like holy shit, this is nuts, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and um, just like getting into that and then trying to like listen to that and then digging into those bands and seeing like what influenced like those bands and then kind of backtracking from there um was kind of how i feel like i find a lot of bands is always just getting into something kind of new and then trying to study like the history yeah of like seeing what um where they came from in a way and was that something that like you've always kind of sort of done because i think i think like there's a a variety of different music fans in in the sense of you'll have the ones that will kind of discover a certain band or genre they'll kind of stick with that and that's what they listen to and that's it and then you'll have the ones that kind of dip their toes into a bit of everything and then by the sounds of things you're the type of person that kind of wants to learn everything about a band and where they came from and who they are and then kind of go off and almost be a historian in some aspects and i guess that kind of reflects on like the sound of your music now but is that something that you've always like liked about music is that you can kind of follow these paths into where bands have come from um in in a way um like i I just like when i hear something and i just like if it catches my ear it's just like oh there's something like interesting or weird going on here um and i just kind of like um when like you just hear something and you can tell like they're just kind of saying fuck it we're just trying something you're <laughs> yeah. like, not really like uh following just a straight like structure in a way or just um just kind of that fuck it mentality in a way i guess um like i've always been kind of drawn to that yeah even if i didn't realize it at a younger age but um yeah. <laughs> and and in terms of kind of your own sort of like musical exploration, obviously you've kind of done sort of various sort of like instruments throughout your sort of career and stuff. But what was the kind of one that sort of drew you into music yourself? Like what was the first instrument that you sort of dabbled with? Um, definitely drumming. Um, I drummed since I was like 16 years old, but like from when I was like three I asked every year, like, I would always ask my parents, like, I want a drum set, like, so bad, and, like, we could just never, like, um, we could just never, like, afford one, so, but I I remember, like, walking around, um, in, like, middle school, and just, like, walking around my house with, uh, drumsticks, and just practicing blast beats with nothing, just, like, trying to do, like, the, the flying finger method, and, um, just, like, I just want to, like, do this so bad, so, like, when I finally, um, got a drum set I was just like that's where I was for a lot of um a lot of the time like between playing actual drums and then like coming home from school and then I would play like like fucking rock band for like four hours which is like pretty funny but um just yeah definitely drumming to start and then um I didn't really pick up like string instruments like bass or guitar until like the last like four or five years okay like yeah, I just, like, kind of more curious as to just, like, kind of exploring those more so and um, and then falling back on drums with yeah. everything else. 
and obviously you said kind of like from an early age like that was something that you you wanted but like i guess when you were kind of getting a bit more of a grip of what music was and and how it's structured and stuff were there any kind of particularly drum particular drummers that you were like looking up to or was it just a case of that's something that you wanted to do you wanted to sort of just blast Pete away sort of thing <laughs> um definitely uh when i really started like sitting down to like learn to drum and everything uh john carroll from uh number 12 yeah um, always one of my like all-time favorites like i just used to watch his like um he had this video where he did this like jazz rhythm on the snare and then he would like take the hi-hat off and like put it over the snare and like incorporate that and do all this like weird tribal um just beats and like i loved it so much and i like saved up and bought like um like an iron cobra pedal because he used them right yeah um, (laughs) just like him and uh zach hill yeah um, like just those two mainly like were my two like favorite drummers by far just because zach hill's a freak (laughs) of nature yeah Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's just like um yeah just reading his like injury list on like he has like an injury list i think on his wikipedia that says like all the things that like he's like hurt or fractured and like stuff while drumming and it's just it's astounding yeah (laughs) um and yeah just really those two were like my favorites at that time and like still are yeah um but yeah (laughs) and you mentioned obviously you kind of got like going off to to warp tour and seeing sort of bands like poison the well and the used and things like that but what whereabouts did you actually grow up in the states um I live, like, an hour west of Chicago. Okay. Um, so was Chicago kind of, like, the place that you would go to, to, to go to shows and things? Um, when, well, surprisingly, there's, like, a college, or, like, there's a, there's a college that's, like, 30 minutes. That's not the surprising part. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, they had, like, a, a small venue uh, called the House Cafe that, okay. like, did a bunch of um, shows that, like, um, a lot of those, like, MySpace bands would go, like, right. and play. Um, that was, like, pretty close. Like, I remember seeing, like, Terramelos and, like, Heavy Heavy Lolo and, like, Foxy Shazam, like, play a show together there and, like, seeing, like, Portugal the Man in, like, 2006, like, there and just, like, all these really, um, like, all these bands that would have, like, a huge influence on me, like, just, like, throughout that were just, like, right down the road. So oh, that's was, cool, then. Yeah, so it was... It was really convenient yeah so i guess i'm guessing sort of going to those shows then was that sort of the moment when you kind of like realized like oh well these guys are doing it and like it's down the road from my house sort of thing so why can't i do it kind of thing yeah like it it was a mixture of that and then um there was like i remember going uh to see like my brother's friends play like a show like in town and they did like a cover set and covered um it was actually like the first time i had heard like blood brothers and fear before and they covered the blood okay a coed and cambria song and i was just like oh like these are my brother's friends like and they're playing like this really cool stuff and i went home that night and like listened to all that and then from that on i was like i really just want to start a band like and it's just always kind of engraved in my head and then seeing those like bigger bands like doing it and everything i just kind of like always had it in my head that i was like i just 
need to be doing like this in some capacity. Yeah. So I'm I'm making the assumption here, but I'm guessing sort of like your early kind of bands, you were you were the drummer. Is that correct? Uh, well, I I did vocals for like my first band, and then um and then switched over to like drumming predominantly in almost every band, but like drumming and doing vocals. Right. As okay. Well. So in that in that case, then like. Where was the the desire to do vocals come from then? Was that just a, a case of that first band needed a vocalist and you gave it a go? Or was that, again, was that something that you always kind of wanted to, to give a shot? How did that all come about? Um, I, I think it was kind of a, a mixture of it. Like, I remember um, having some friends over one day and we are just, like, hanging out. I was, like, 13 or 14 and, like, we are listening to something and I was, like, singing into like the top of a broom (laughs) right (laughs) and they were just like oh we should like start a band you should do vocals and i was like okay like i'll try it and then um it's just kind of like a mixture of that and then i just kind of like fell in love with just like screaming and just um like really just trying to like just be as like harsh as possible with just like whatever and just kind of incorporating everything and then the drumming aspect when i started drumming doing vocals was just kind of like oh yeah well, we don't have a vocalist so we might as well just all pick up the slack and like do it in a way so then that's kind of where that came in to play yeah <laughs> so yeah and in terms of kind of like your sort of like own musical exploration in terms of like the bands that you played in like i've i've got to be totally honest the ones i've only kind of like really paid attention to or have heard of is obviously Cadence Fox, Tweak and obviously now Meth but obviously like they all kind of have that sort of scatty kind of vibe to them so has that always been like your wheelhouse that that is that kind of screeching abrasive style of music or have you kind of dabbled in in other genres like throughout your career? Um, I, I think I've had it in my head to like try to dabble in other genres but then it always has that element to it whether i like realize it's happening or not (laughs) so um i I think i think in a way yeah just kind of like that like very abrasive like screeching um does kind of like carry through a lot of uh the music that like in bands that like i'm a part of um but um i don't think it's intentional always i think it's just kind of like oh i think that sounds good and then it's just oh yeah it kind of is like the link between all of them in a way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <So>. yeah. <laughs> well as i mentioned like the first time i remember kind of like seeing your name was through cadence fox but like were there other bands before that that you were kind of like i don't know like would you sort of count as sort of being like proper band that that kind of did anything of note whether it be tours records or anything like that that you you were particularly proud of um no not not really not anything that like i'm like proud of (laughs) 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 but like uh no like cadence um was definitely like my first um like i feel like real band where like me and uh rob um like the guitarist in that band um it was like me and him for the 10 years we were a band and Mm. then just like rotated bass players as like they came in and out in a way but um like that was definitely the first time like i would like 
go to practice and we would sit and just like write for hours at a time or just like constantly be trying to write or trying to tour even though like we never really could um when we were like really active um but um yeah that i mean um that band was definitely uh like the first band that i had where i was like oh i actually like we made a we made a full record like and i actually like don't hate all of it (laughs) um, just um like building off of that and then that kind of like um went into this other band that i did called other masquerades um that was like kind of like super mathy um and like heavy but um i feel like the foundation of cadence fox like kind of led into this other band and then that was like kind of the first band that like i really um started touring off of and like we would go we would do like 10 day tours like once or twice a year if we could because we all worked full time um and then we would just be like okay let's take vacation days or whatever and like or just whatever we could do and then um just kind of like okay we're doing that now and then i just like joined or started like two other bands and like i was constantly in like three or four bands like yeah. just trying to like do all this stuff and um i definitely kind of fried my brain <laughs> yeah. for, for, for a little while but um no like it, it was great like um i think the only other band that i could say was kind of not in, like that heavier wheelhouse that i was in that like we did stuff in in was this band uh, split tongue that I did that was like another duo um that was kind of like shoegazy but had like those sonic youth like noise elements it was just a lot of noise yeah um, which I feel like most of my bands just like have a shit ton of just noise <laughs> everywhere so I guess that's kind of expected or not surprising no no that's <laughs> so, fair enough but yeah and before, before we kind of get into sort of like the band's deep sort of thing like i, I think like it's a time to kind of bring it up because you mentioned obviously like the kind of noise element is something that is very prominent within your music and i think like especially like the noise acts that i'm aware of now they have kind of very like dark imagery and sort of like there's always like a bleakness and things like that but you you obviously had quite a christian upbringing is that correct yeah so, yeah um so the the, yeah. the the question that like I I've wanted to pose is kind of like how was it kind of like discovering this weird sort of like screamy scatty music that on the surface of it could sound like a, a demon or the, or the devil sort of thing <laughs> but having this quite conservative upbringing um well it, it's kind of funny um like like 
all of his like metal posters. Oh my god! Like, yeah, no, it's super weird. Um, like thinking back on it, and then like I remember he found like my brother brought like a Brutaria CD, and it just had um, like someone doing like witchcraft, like basically on the cover. It was like this red cover, and I remember him like finding it, thinking my my brother like was like into like satanic <laughs> yeah. like stuff and he was just like no it's a cd and he's like do you know what this like translates to because it's all in spanish and like my my dad was just like like translating it from spanish to english for him and like he was just like i just got it because i like the music like, <laughs> type thing. and like um it, it's just it's just interesting to like have that dynamic and then like my mom just like my mom didn't really like care what we like listened to like she i mean she listen to a lot of like new wave stuff and um she would go to like this club in chicago when in like the late 80s early 90s and like i remember um like she would go with my aunt and my aunt had an encounter with like gg allen at this club oh wow like so like there's like a weird dynamic there where it's just like my mom was definitely more just like like oh i get like this alternative music my dad was just like i don't even really understand what music is yeah (laughs) so like it was um it wasn't that much of a like shock i guess in that way um because i i don't don't think i ever really like felt super um in touch with like christianity to begin with but like i definitely wasn't like I definitely wasn't playing my music, like, out loud when I was at my dad's house as opposed to, like, uh, when I was at my mom's or something. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. to, like, neglect that confrontation in a way. And, but, yeah. In terms of kind of, like, I guess, like, maybe not so much now because it's a bit different because you're an adult and stuff, but, like, when you were kind of starting to play in bands that were doing that sort of music and things, did, did your dad have any reaction to it or did, did he just kind of, like turn a blind eye to it in, in some aspects? Um, I think he kind of turned a blind eye to it. Like, he he's only ever come to, like, see me play, like, once. Right. And I think it was kind of... It was jarring for him. Like, I don't think he's... He's definitely, like, not, like, anti, like, me playing in bands. But, like, um, I think just... I mean, Meth definitely kind of, like, he does not get <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, like... Which is totally fine. Like I, I'm just like I'm. It doesn't matter at this point anymore. But like, um, I think it was kind of jarring to like see like for him to like watch me like playing this. Like he saw like Cadence Fox play like a long time ago, and um, I was just like drumming super sporadically and just like shrieking into a microphone, and he was just like. And I think he was, like, one of, like, maybe, like, six people at the show, too. So it's just, like, (laughs) what is happening right now? Like, and we never really, like, talked about it that much after or anything. But he's just like, oh, my son does, like, music stuff. Like, that's that's (laughs) it. No, that's fair enough. Um, And then, obviously, like, if we go into Cadence Fox a bit deeper, obviously, as you said, that was kind of, like, the first band that you kind of, like, did stuff with. So do you feel, like... I'm not saying that Cadence Fox and Meth are one and the same because they're clearly not. But there's obviously, if you listen to that, there's elements that have kind of carried over. So, do you feel that like Cadence Fox was uh, a good grounding for what you would let go on to do later? And did you sort of learn? I guess it kind of learn the ropes in some aspects of like 
how to how to be a band through through doing Cadence Fox? Um, I, I definitely think so. Um, like me and Rob, um, the guitarist in Cadence, like um, I feel like me and him just like know each other like inside and out with just how we play and um, just like. I know exactly kind of like how he writes and he knows exactly how, how I write in a way where it just like, um, like a lot of him kind of like might come out in me, like whether I realize that or not, like with like certain song structures or just like the way I like hear things or like if I'm playing something like, um, like I was just like messing around with like a song for like another band that I'm doing and like I had like a noodly riff where I was like, Oh, this sounds like something Rob would play in a yeah. way. So like, um he, like he definitely kinda just like um like I felt like we learned how to play our instruments kind of like alongside each other in a way. Like I was definitely a lot more raw uh when it came to like drumming when we started playing, but like I think uh when you learn kind of how to play in a, like in a way um, alongside someone like a lot of their tendencies and their um, like natural habits um, like just writing or just like how they like strum something or how like they approach something will kind of um, transfer onto you and vice versa so I, I think there is definitely some um, parts that um, especially like that loud soft dynamic as well yeah. like there's there's a lot of um, that that kind of um, was our thing with Cadence was like we'll get really loud then we'll get really quiet it's, and then um, yeah I think I think that definitely did lay a lot down for um, how I approach and did did uh, correct me if I'm wrong but did Cadence Fox sort of like do much touring or was it very much just sort of like sporadic shows here and there um we played locally majority of the time um we did we did maybe like two or three tours but like um we could just we could just never get like the timing completely right for us to like oh like let's go all in on this or like um we definitely had a few like rockier years and everything but um no we we're mostly just like like a chicago or like suburb chicago band right um, of our career so what what was the band that you kind of like i guess first sort of like started hitting the, the road on a bit more um this band other masquerades um i started with uh, my buddy donnie and my friend chris um and donnie ended up being in cadence fox later okay um there's a lot of like incestual like um just like members like that kind of like come in and out of like all the bands so like, I, <laughs> right. I, like it's, there's just a lot of people who cross over like i feel like everyone i've been in a band with as well has like filled in for like meth and like a certain capacity as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we yeah but um other mass was uh definitely like the first band where we were just like like fuck it let's just start like let's go down to texas we know nobody there but like let's just try it like why not or um just trying to see how far we could go or yeah. just like playing wise. Um, and then as I kind of like learned the ropes more with like touring, then like um, I transferred more into like more serious touring with like uh, tweak. And then um, like tweak was, I would say like my first like band where like 
like, okay, I feel like we kind of have something here. And, like, they're still a band. They're still, like, going. They're doing some of the weirdest shit I've ever seen. And I love them so much for that. <laughs> like, they are, um, yeah, they're just some of the, like, most interesting thinkers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The other two in those bands. Um, but, like, we, we we just try to, like, tour as much as we could with that band. And then I feel like that was kind of, like, the foundation for, like, where Meth ended up going. Um, right. So, in terms of kind of, like, going out on the road and things like that, like, I always find it interesting how, kind of, musicians perceive their, their first tour, like, looking back on it, so to say. Because I think, I don't know, like, from my little experiences of touring, like, you have this grand perception of of what it's going to be like but obviously in reality it's completely different so did you kind of have any sort of preconceptions of what touring life would be like and what were they kind of met or or as you say was it something completely different when you finally started hitting the road um i i think like i always have my i always kind of like keep my hopes kind of low right okay <laughs> so like i um so it's just like okay, like I, I don't want to get like too excited over things, but um, like I mean, I was definitely just excited to be going out and just like playing in different. I, I think I was more in awe of the places I was going rather than like the actual shows. Right. Okay. And just being like, oh, like we're in like Missouri today, or like <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah, and it's just like now it's like oh Missouri, I fucking hate Missouri. Like I, I don't really hate Missouri. <laughs> like, um, but it's just like that weird mindset where you're just like really excited just to like kind of be doing something. And like, I mean, the shows we played with like other mass, like the first tour we went on, I think we were trying to fill out like do ten shows in ten days. I think we did like six, so we had all these like weird gaps where it's just like, oh, we're in Denver for two days. Like, what do we do? Like, yeah, and yeah. So, um. I think there's a lot more, like, sightseeing on those tours, um, since there was a lot more downtime, and, like, um, there wasn't as strict of a schedule, um, as there is now, where it's just, like, oh, we're just kind of driving, we just need to get to the venue to, like, load in, where it's, like, oh, we're just playing house shows, they just had to get there around, like, eight-ish, yeah. so, <laughs> yeah. like, let's just kind of, like, let's just kind of see, like, whatever we're doing, so it kind of felt more like we're just, like, on vacation in a way um or not i don't even want to say vacation but like we just had a lot more time to like enjoy like the city around us and didn't feel as like just like schedule oriented and yeah it did kind of suck though because like we used to just take like we didn't have a van or anything so we would tour with like two cars um i remember there was um a tweak black nail tour where we went down to like austin for South by Southwest and we didn't have a van or anything and we ended up taking four cars. Oh my god. Yeah, it was terrible. And there's two of us like per car and we just like all just like went down. We had split all the money like four ways and like we'd be like, okay, we can kind of cover maybe like some gas for like each of us but like we just like we're just like, yeah, like we knew going into it just like, like I think back then like you know going into like touring it's just like we need to like i mean you still do it like now but it's just like we're gonna lose like kind of a lot of money but like it's more just like we just want to go and yeah play and just like get out there in a way just so it kind of um 
just it just feels like that's what you need to be doing. Yeah, and I'm just trying to sort of like place it in sort of like the timeline of of, of things because as you said, I'm got I'm kind of backtracking a little bit, but you discovering sort of bands like um, Blood Brothers and Daughters and and so on and so forth. But when you were kind of, I guess, starting to tour in sort of other mass and, and tweak and things like that, like, was there, because I, I know now there's a bit more of a, a revival, so to say, of that kind of sound, but what, was there much of a scene for that kind of chaotic kind of punk hardcore like scene when you started out, or were you playing kind of more mixed bills? What what were the lineups a bit more like? Um, yeah, it- we kind of, like, up until, like, maybe, like, the last, like, three, four years, but we were always kind of, like, the oddball in a lot of films. Right. So, like, especially Cadence, like, when we first started, we'd be playing with just, like, like, just really bad metalcore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, um, just, like, you know, just, like, the Asking Alexandria type of, like, Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, like... Just stuff like that, and it's just, like, we did not fit in with that, and we kind of, like, made a point, like, I mean, we were just, like, shitty teenagers when that, like, happened, too, so, like, we were just, like, we'd, we'd make fun of a lot of bands like that, because, like, we were just, like, kids, and we are just, like, oh, like, that's stupid, like, haha, like, you're dumb, and it's just, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, oh, we're just, like, it's, like, we're just as stupid, like, we're just doing something, like, not bad, but we're doing something stupid as well, like, yeah, uh, yeah matter um but um yeah like i mean we we would play like a lot of like with like metalcore bands like we played with like more emo bands sometimes like other masks would get thrown on to like a lot of shows like when I, I i used to run like a house venue and we were kind of like the house band in a way right. so it's just like oh there's not enough bands on this bill we'll just play so then we'd end up playing with like like, emo bands that were, like, touring through that I had, like, book shows for, or just, like, um, just, like, really whatever, um, and I think within, like, that, like, DIY scene that was around here, like, it was a lot more, um, it wasn't as, like, jarring in a way, it was just, like, oh, like, people are used to kind of saying, like, just whatever when you're going yeah, to, like, yeah. a show, um, but definitely early on, like, when we were, like, first playing out, it was just, like, oh, like, we don't really, like, fit the bill in a way. I remember, like, people wouldn't, like, book us either because, like, we didn't really have a draw. And, like, there's bookers who are just, like, we don't want to put you on shows because, like, you don't bring anyone. And yeah. we're just, like, well, we just want to play. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, like no one likes, like, what we're doing, which is <laughs> yeah. totally fine. But, like, I was, like, but we just want to, like, not play to ourselves either. So it was, it was, it was definitely a lot harder for us to, like, find um, – where we fit uh, with with Cadence especially like because we didn't really like know that many people at that time either so like um, we would just take what we could get so like you get a lot of just random shows <laughs> yeah. where it's just, like nothing really matches up but those are like I feel like you kind of have to do that at some point in your career anyway you can't just like jump in and be like alright we're just playing like these awesome shows that can make total sense all the time yeah. like that, what's the fun in that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, that's fair enough and and you, you kind of mentioned earlier that sort of obviously you've always kind of been doing various projects 
a one-time sort of thing and, and at one point you kind of almost sort of like burnt yourself out sort of thing but is that something that that you like to do it's just like always to keep yourself busy and kind of have your your fingers in many pies just so like i don't know just to kind of keep the creative juices going or is it just the fact that you i don't want to say that you'll you get bored but like that you you want something to else to play with kind of thing yeah no i I definitely have like um just like horrible just scatterbrain all the time where it's just like i mean like even right now it's just like we're working on like some new meth stuff but then like the stuff i've been writing like i'm like like okay this sounds like i could start like a new band with this yeah yeah. so like maybe i will do something like that or like um I just kind of like always having something that kind of like feels new going on and like when I am in like multiple bands at a time I usually try not to cross over members that are in like any of the bands either because it's just like um I like to be able to pick people's brains individually and just kind of like feel those vibes out um and yeah, I, I think I definitely have a case of like, oh, like that's shiny. Let's go there. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when it when it comes to just like creating in any way, like um, it's just yeah, it, I I feel very all over the place yeah. all the time. But I I can't say like I would want it any other way either. Like because no. I I think I do get bored very easily as well. So like I have to just kind of like always have something like going and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, and then if we kind of get on to, to meth in a bit more detail, obviously it's widely publicised the fact that it kind of started as a, as a bedroom project for, for yourself. Um, and obviously now we're kind of hearing a bit more of a, a fully formed meth, I guess, in some aspects. But when you kind of first started the project, did you have any kind of like blueprint of, of what you wanted to, to sound like or was it just an, a, another outlet for you to kind of be creative um no it was definitely like just another just outlet like um zach who plays guitar and meth now like um me and him would just like get together sometimes just try to like record something um just like no matter like we didn't really know what we wanted to do or whatever um, and the first, like, meth demo, um, like, I just showed up at his house, and I was like, like, I have this, like, idea for a band, kind of, like, I just kind of wanted to do something, like, more, like, that metalcore vein, because I was getting back into that at the time, Yeah. And, um, uh, like, I was like, I kind of just want to try doing something like this, um, let's just, like, fuck around, um, and just try it, that's how, like, the first demo happened and it was just like I recorded drums on something and then just wrote around it and we plopped something out and that's and that's the exact same formula for um the children are watching was um it was like a year after I did the first demo or it's like a year or two I don't even remember but um I just kind of was like hey let's just get together and let's just like write something so we had just I think we had just done a project with uh, one of my good friends um, who had flown in from Seattle, and he was just like, "I want to do a project." Um, he's and he's like not a musician at all. He's just, um, but he's like one of the 
most interesting artists I've like had the pleasure of knowing. Yeah. And he was just like, I just want to try to do vocals on this project. And so like we kind of spent that the summer just like it was like yeah the 2017 summer where we we're just like we would just like get together and write stuff in studio and just like oh we're gonna piece together an EP in like three days or something like let's just go and do it and so we had just come off like this project and I went in and was just like hey like let's write this like grindy thing um I kind of just want to try writing something and I just laid down five drum tracks that were like super short I was like all right like this is kind of what I hear in my head like let's just do it this way and then we would he'd just hit record I'd record something and then we'd stop and we're like okay there's a drum track and then (laughs) just and then I would just write over it and like it was all recorded and written in like a day that first meth release um and I wasn't really even thinking of like the band really going anywhere after that or like even doing any of that live um, right but I was like oh like I kind of like how this turned out it's like it, it's dumb like but yeah. like a fun in a, in a fun way like it's just like five songs three minutes like cool like let's just release it and um as that kind of um like when we released it it got some like just like internet attention from like my peers and like just people like I like know through like playing like DIY stuff and whatever and um I was like okay like that's cool like people seem to like it and then um like tweaks started kind of like I started uh like winding down my time with tweaks they were moving and um this uh band Blackmail um who is from the area as well, like, we're, like, a metalcore, um, heavier band, um, their vocalist was leaving, like, to join Tweak, and then, um, I was like, okay, well, why don't we just, like, take the Blackmail people, and then we can just, like, start Meth as a band, like, yeah. since they're leaving, might as well just, like, do a trade-off in a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, we basically just, like, traded members and then just, like, added on um, Matt, who plays, like, our lap steel and, like, does all the synth stuff, and then Zach, who was, like, recording everything, and then we just added him in as our guitarist. Um, and then that's kind of where we started, um, like, as the full band for yeah. everything. So it wasn't a case of, like, the you kind of had this this image in your head of it being a full band at the beginning. It's just kind of something that kind of came along a bit more n- naturally, I guess. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't, like, have this meticulous plan for how this band was going to, like, start um, at all. Like, um, I think once the full band got together, I was I, I took it a lot more seriously. Yeah. Um, because just, like, the demo and everything, I was just, like, oh, like, I was just kind of, like, trying to write music, and then just, like, oh, I'd make, like, the album art or something, and it's just, like, oh, like, here's just, like, another thing I'm doing, because I just, like, like having creative output in a way, so it's just, like, oh, this is just, like, another instance of that, Uh, just, like, one of the billion projects I'm doing, (laughs) and then then it kind of turned into, like, oh, this is kind of, like, the only project I'm, like, doing as, like, the band started, like, getting together a lot, and we were just kind of 
taking it way more seriously than I had, um, like, other projects I was in. Yeah. And in terms of, because my first sort of uh, exposure of meth was the the Children Are Watching record. So I can't, honestly, I've got a whole hands up, I can't remember. But was it still just you at that point or had kind of members started to sort of funnel in a bit um no that was just me uh just fucking around (laughs) like um like that was um like it was me and zach um but like zach recorded it and he played i think he just played the breakdown at the end of elder body like the last song yeah but then like everything else on there was just like me kind of like oh i have like this sound in my head like let's just see if i can replicate it in a way and um yeah that that was just another like studio project um at that time and then i love you was like the first like okay this is like us as a band right because i i could be completely wrong but I, i think like from my perspective as i said like that's when i first heard you and i feel like that's when some of my peers and other people that I know were kind of starting to hear you and pay attention to you. But do you, when do you kind of feel like there was kind of a, a jumping in point for for meth that, that people were sort of like, okay, it's, it's Seb's little, another one of Seb's projects, but this is a bit different now. Was there, was there kind of a point when you noticed that at all? Um, I think, like, right, I mean, I, I feel like it was, around when children are watching uh came out yeah because um, i did notice like a weird amount of attention and it still wasn't like a lot but like compared to like what i was usually doing i was like oh people like there's people like sharing this around that like i don't really know that well yeah, or yeah. anything and i was like okay like and so i always had it in the back of my head like i kind of want to take this and like see where it can go and so when once we formed the full band that's when i started getting like a lot more like meticulous with exactly how i wanted uh, the band to go like we started doing like before our first show and everything um i was like making just like these weird videos of just like i'd film shit around my basement or just like wherever i was and then we would put like this like weird like ambient music that our drummer would make and we would just like have that over just so people were like what the fuck is this (laughs) (laughs) and um just trying to like build hype in in a different way i was just like i just want to like be a little bit more patient with this band than i have in the past with like other bands where it was like oh we have like four songs let's go play a show like and it was just like now let's like I think, yeah, we finished uh, the I Love You EP before we even played our first show and, like, released it, and then we played our um, first show, like, a month after its release. Um, Because we were just wanting it to kind of, like, be out there and just have people, like, familiar with it and then just really make sure that we felt comfortable with uh, what we were doing. So it was a lot more uh, planned out uh, once the band was put together yeah and i think that's kind of how it's been ever since then it's just constant like planning and just trying to be like 15 steps from where we are now like (laughs) ahead and just yeah it's it's a lot but it's it's great (laughs) 
and in that in terms of like kind of getting the the band in and, and doing the i love you ep and obviously now the mother of red light record like has that i don't know like has the the way that you kind of write meth stuff changed are you i'm making the assumption that you're still the predominant songwriter but has it like the dynamic changed in the fact that you have now got a full band that you can kind of ping ideas off them and they can bring ideas to you how how has that kind of changed um no it's definitely a lot more collaborative yeah um like zach our guitarist um really took the lead on a lot of mother of red light um okay but but like um a lot of the like ideas and like the the vibe and like imagery of everything is still kind of like where like my brain's focused on okay. for a lot of it but like i'll take ideas to zach um that i have a guitar and i'm like a really shitty guitar player <laughs> but like i'm just like all right like this is kind of what i'm thinking or like this is like a structure or like a lot of the composition is like where i feel um has a lot of like my presence on it yeah and then like the actual like parts that are like written and like played out is definitely um where like zach's craft comes into a lot of it so it's a lot of like me and him on mother and then everyone else kind of like dabbling in a collaborative way and um it's kind of a grueling process for a lot of uh how we go about writing a lot of the times too because i mean we would write like a song or two songs or three songs and then like be like okay we like these three songs and a month later it's just like okay we're not using any of those like (laughs) (laughs) like let's just this isn't what we're doing and um but i like it a lot that way where um like we just added a new guitarist for our next lp um and just like having another person writing um just like a different presence in there too is just um like i just like having everyone's brains in different yeah. ways too because we all kind of have different backgrounds um, musically and we all kind of listen to um like the main stuff we listen to is like a little different um between all of us so like i think that's why um like we sound the way we do in a way because there's just so many people's voices trying to like come through yeah in a way and like i think that kind of in a way sort of sums up like the the new record like not in in any way a bad term but as you say kind of having all those different voices has made the record for for me personally like it just doesn't sound like anything else that was released last year and like for me it was like one of my favorite records of last year in the fact that it was just so kind of jarring but in the best possible way (laughs) Um, thank you (laughs) but like was that kind of like do you think that that's a reflection of that because like as i say the record had like these pummeling like blast beat moments but then it would have this weird kind of like dirgy drawn out song and then you've got all the noise elements added into it so was was it a case of like these ideas being put into a stirring pot and then the result was Mother of Red Light kind of thing. I, I think in a way um, it was, but we also kind of had a mutual understanding too of just like, like we were just 
like none of us were trying to like step over anyone and be like this like needs to be like my song or like anything it was just like what like we're just kind of like trying to put a puzzle together in a right way. um and really just collectively just figure out like what needs to go where and um like yeah i don't i like none of it was intentional in a way where it was like okay we want to have like this really long song like here and then like we want to end the song with uh or end the album with like this song that has like a six minute noise part, <laughs> yeah. like, right in the middle but like it just kind of like it just kind of happened um and we all just kind of like we're collectively like yeah this makes sense yeah. like this makes sense for like how we want this to go it makes sense for like the story and just everything um that we were trying to do with that record um like i don't know and i feel like if we tried redoing that record now it wouldn't come out the same way <laughs> like it's just I, I think um i think it's definitely a good reflection of where we all were yeah um at that time like writing yeah and you you briefly touched upon it there but obviously the some people may know this some people may not but obviously the, the record has a story to it like there's a narrative that kind of runs throughout it so what was the kind of idea behind that and can can you kind of talk me through like what your vision for the narrative was um so i touched so it started with like i love you um being like the um like prologue in a way okay for mother um where i never like named the character i just kind of like wrote in like first person yeah um but it's like the character gets kidnapped by this cult and it's like him and this other person just like they're like in this room basically just like sitting across from each other um and the cult's basically just trying to like convince him to like kill this other person and like summon like all these like feelings out of him um because they're basically trying to brainwash him into believing he's god in a way okay and so like i love you touches like on all of his just like feelings for everything and just like um like the narrative of them like brainwashing him until like the last song um he, like, eventually just murders the other person um, that's been kidnapped alongside of him, and, like, he just feels this overwhelming, just, like, power, and, like, that whole song is just about him, like, essentially, like, feeling this power and, like, ejaculating. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just, like, having, like, because it's just, like, this God complex. I just really wanted to write about, like, someone with a God complex. Yeah, and yeah. Then, um, mother kind of takes it to um like he's already kind of been leading this cult for a few years and there's just this dynamic of uh like i don't want to say it's like a split personality because it's not it's just like almost it's like two beings living in one body yeah and like the god being is like the actual voice of the body and the person like the subconscious in a way is just like the human like like who knows like right from wrong and it's just kind of like a voyeur in a way and it's just trying to like 
have like there's this battle between uh, the the human side trying to kind of come back up and take over like his body, yeah, uh, take his body back in a way, and also stop like the atrocity of the cult. Um, and there's um, just like where like womb and inbred and uh, cold prayers happens. Like that's all a sequence of like the head woman. Um, of the choir, like, there's, like, a sexual relationship between, like, the character and the woman, and he ends up finding out that, like, the woman's his birth mother, and that's when, like, the human side starts kind of, like, overpowering the god side, because it's just, like, so wrong that he ends up, like, uh, murdering the woman, and then, like, that's where, like, kind of the battles just really start tilting into uh, the human side, retaking over his body, and then just trying to put it into like the choir of red light uh, in a way. So, in terms of kind of like, because I, I I wasn't aware that it was almost kind of a continuation of I love you. So, and as you say, you're kind of like in the process of of putting pieces together for the next record. So, is the, is there going to be a continuation? Is there some is this something that you're looking to to kind of weave throughout? meth or is this kind of the narrative's done now and could be maybe picked up later down the line like where, where do you kind of sit with it at the moment um i definitely am done writing about um, <laughs> like the choir and uh just like all the culty aspects of everything yeah. i i think that was the hardest part of the last record was um just like sticking to the concept as right. well like I'd always wanted to write a concept record and it's just su- it's super grueling because you just put yourself in a box I'm used to kind of always just grabbing from wherever so I was just like having to stay very strict on it um but for like the next record um I still definitely want to like I like writing stories or I like yeah. writing just like narratives in different way whether like it'll be like a full concept album or it'll be just like maybe it'll be like sequences of songs that kind of go together or just like whatever um i definitely still want to have like that storytelling aspect yeah uh, as kind of a like a carryover between everything but no i'm very much um as of now i i i will say never say never but like <laughs> yeah. I just do not want to even write about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> and, and obviously you could, you've mentioned obviously that the, the kind of idea of, of the record is this sort of God complex and cult like figure. And, and I read that that's something that you are personally like quite sort of intrigued by and interested in, in is this sort of fascination with cult existence, so to say. So, where where's your interest in that kind of come from and because i i I know there's like thousands of like well-known documented cults and things like that so was there kind of a particular one that you were drawn into and that you researched like where does that all come from um i think it was kind of like a mixture in a way of um like the jonestown massacre yeah um i had like listened to and like 
research a good amount into that, but I think a good amount of it does come from uh, the Children of God Family International yeah. cult, um, which I kind of nodded to with Child of God, um, was just how just warped this being was. Yeah. Um, like uh, David Berg and just the incestualness and just how like how cold of a person he was, where it's just like there was no humanity to that person and I kind of was very interested in that too because it's just like how do you get to that point as a person where it's just like there really is no like remorse shown or anything like any type of feeling like the human feeling that you have and it's just um having all that subdued was kind of um where I wanted the god character to come from Mm. and then um having that like incestual relationship where like both characters in the body knew what was going on but the human side of him was just like I don't want like like this isn't right and that's like what kind of like helped him like overpower everything was just like this just like the overarching like you want to do what's right in a way but like humanity is just kind of super fucked up and you can't really like stop it yeah yeah like that's no how you try it um and yeah you know, i think a lot of that came from uh like just watching documentaries on like uh like children of god and like family international and just like kind of like when i get into a mindset for what i'm trying to write about i try to like really really research and like kind of like put myself to a point where it's just like I feel terrible like all the time (laughs) where it's just like I just want to like try to feel this as much as I could and like write in that instance um because like I don't know I just like feeling awful (laughs) and then writing and it's just like it's something that I really like to do yeah and um yeah I I don't know, it's just, it's just, I, I think just the atrocity, like, within cults, too, and just, like, having someone who, like, really just has this complex where, like, I mean, with, like, Ant Hill Kids and, like, Om Shinrikyo and just, like, where, like, Shoko Asahara, like, would sell, like, his bathwater to his cult members for, like, thousands of dollars, yeah. and it's just, like, oh, uh, just... I see nothing wrong with this. <laughs> like, and his mem- his followers like saw nothing wrong with it either, which is like mind blowing because you also just like don't know what that mindset is either. Because if you truly believe this person's God, like you're not gonna question it. Yeah, either. yeah. So it's just that whole aspect's what fascinates me. Where it's just like, like what are like where do your inhibitions go in a way um, when you are like a cult follower or, like, a cult leader in a way. Yeah. Um, And in terms of, like, your, like, you mentioned there, kind of, like, immersing yourself within, like, the subject matter and and things like that, like, does that weigh heavy on you in, in, like, obviously the results, like, personally are fantastic, but, like, like, from your perspective, like, I don't know, like, once you're kind of out of that writing process and the record is done, do you have to kind of, like, shut yourself away and decompress like how how do you kind of deal with that um yeah no i definitely like um just once 
mother of Red Light was out, um, I mean, we, we were still going on, like, a pretty heavy tour schedule um, for most of last year. Um, like, mother came out, and I was just, like, not in the greatest mental spot. Mm. Like, while it was, like, happening, um, I was just drinking a lot and just kind of, like, just, like, stressed out with a lot of that and um, just always having, like, those topics in your head as well. Yeah. Um, like, where you're just constantly thinking of just, like, horrible shit all the time. And um, it just, like, it definitely, like, messes with my head a lot. And it transfers over to um, just, like, like, I, I, I don't know how just just drinking a lot like and I don't necessarily want to like get into that aspect of it but it's just like there's just a lot of um there's just a lot of things that like just like go through your head like when you like submerge yourself in that and it's just like a lot of negativity and a lot of just um like I don't want to say hopelessness but like you just think so much like diving into like children of god and all that just like it just makes your skin crawl and yeah. i remember when we were um like when cadence fox was writing channels um like we each song's written about like a serial killer or like someone different like in uh just like has like a narrative to that and that was like the first time i'd really just like really dove into just like reading about people and i was reading about like albert fish and just how he like killed like a 10 year old girl and mailed a letter to um the girl's mother and just that's kind of the first time where i just it took me a while to like kind of get over that because like i was just constantly thinking about that where it's just like that's like it's really messed up but then like i just can't get it out of my head yeah and then it transfers to like just wanting to like drown it out in a way and um it's just like a mixture of that and then just like so many other things going on but just like having like that one element just be so um bleak i guess (laughs) that but i also just am so fascinated with it where it's just like i'll put i i don't mind having that feeling and just feeling like like you're on the verge of just like like, I don't know, I, like, kind of always, like, feeling like I'm walking the line of just, like, mentally collapsing and being, <laughs> yeah. like, okay, it's, like, not the healthiest thing, but I also feel like I'm just, like, okay, this, like, like, I feel really comfortable in that aspect, especially when it comes to, like, making art and everything, where yeah. it's just, like, um, I think if things were a little bit too stable and too just, like, routine, um, I don't think life would be that interesting. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. And and you've obviously like you said that for for the time being, like the the subject of mother is kind of at an end. But it kind of sounds like you're you're very much like one of these people that kind of goes deep in any subject that they're kind of talking about or researching, so to say. So, uh, like when you're kind of like looking ahead to to the new record. Is that again? Is that is that your method of how you kind of get in that headspace? Is that you find whatever the story is that you want to tell, and then you'll want almost become a mini expert in it. Is that is that how your process works? Um, yeah, I, I think 
yeah, like, because it's more of me finding, like, a feeling or finding something that, like, like, what's kind of, like, the alarm in my head when I'm thinking of this record. Right. And um, it's just, like, finding that topic and then just, like, really diving down, like, a hole and just kind of watching as many, like, documentaries about things rather than, like, finding just subtopics for just, like, the general topic of everything and seeing, like, what is the most, like, interesting or, like, what's the most, like, fucked up one of these and (laughs) diving more into those and then really just, like, kind of just, like, overwhelming myself in a way where it's just, like, okay, I feel like I know too much (laughs) and, like, I shouldn't know all of this. Like, Like, if you found someone's, like, like diary or something yeah yeah just like read through all of it you're like i shouldn't know this like this is weird <laughs> like i don't like this and yeah just kind of like writing that feeling out um and just like writing around there and um, i'm going to start sort of like rounding things up but one thing i did want to kind of mention to you before i let you go seb is obviously uh something you did more recently was the uh the audio tree session which yep. i think it's becoming more prominent now that like heavier bands are are doing it and i think i don't know it kind of adds a bit of not gravitas but like it gives another layer to like how heavy music is produced to sort of like watch it in an audio tree session so like how did that kind of opportunity come come about and how did you kind of feel about like what you were you were kind of putting out in in that outlet because i think like and again, I mean this in the nicest way. Meth isn't the most easy music to digest. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how did you kind of like process kind of going through the whole audio tree sessions, like process and, and wanting to still get what meth is across? Um. Well, they they had emailed us because um, our tour kickoff was um, in Chicago at a uh, empty bottle, and they were like, "Hey." Um, like, I see you're playing Empty Bottle this day. Would you guys want to, like, come down and do a session before? And I was like, oh, like, hell yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, but they, they had wanted to ask questions and stuff like that, and I really didn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, just because, like, the vibe of our sets and everything, too, it's just, like, we never... There's no, like, direct, like, crowd interaction yeah. or anything. Like, we just kind of, like, start, and then we stop, and that's it. I just really wanted to make sure we could do that, make sure that we could have, um, um, like, just, like, our our lighting, just the red lamps, like, bare minimum, and just make sure that it, like, felt how um, it does live. Because, um, like, even with the audio tree, too, it's just, like, um, like, I, I felt a lot more stationary with it, where it's just, like, I couldn't go necessarily as in-depth with my performance as I would have liked to, but um, I still wanted to, because it's like, I wanted to respect the space, like, that that room is way too nice for me to, like, be, like, rolling around on (laughs) shit, (laughs) and, um, um, but I also, like, just didn't want to, like, compromise any of our performance either, Um, and I, I think... I think it turned out really well. I'm, like, really happy with how it all went. I just think um, I would have, if 
I could have had it exactly my way, I would have just been like a like drenched like you know Danny DeVito and it's always sunny when he's covered in Purell. <laughs> yeah. Like I would have loved to have just been like in that mode. <laughs> yeah. Like just like crawling on the floor and just like like a little worm. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it it was definitely. I mean, that's my first experience ever doing something like like that. Yeah. By far, and it's just like walking in uh, to that building or. Um, it's like the floor above um like i work for a small production company in chicago uh here and there and it the audio tree rooms like the floor above where like um our office is oh okay cool and so yeah so it was like i was like familiar with the building i just never been on like that floor yeah yeah and then like going up there it was just like they had all these like records and just like gold records and stuff on the wall and I remember uh, texting my girlfriend a picture of like this Lindsay Lohan gold <laughs> record they had on the wall because I thought it was hilarious and um, it was just like weird being there because I was like oh we're just like this dumb like screamy band like like I, I don't know like I was like this feels different than what we're used to but it was um, it, it, it felt kind of validating in a way. Yeah. Um, so it was just like, this is like unreal. Um, but yeah, I'm just like, I'm not used to having to be around like nice things either. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it was just very like, oh, this is like almost too nice for us. Like we're kind of like dingy. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> but, <fair> yeah. <laughs> and on a completely selfish note, I have to ask, is there any plans of, of meth coming over this side of the Atlantic? I have been, like, really, really, really trying. Um, there's nothing, like, set in stone yet. Um, I definitely am hoping in 2020, I'm kind of making, or 2021, it's 2020 now, um, but 2021, um, I'm really kind of drawing a line in the sand, like, we have to go over to yeah. Europe and, like, do something, because is to ask my guests uh, what their favourite song is but with a bit of a twist so what is your favourite meth song that you like to play live and why um I think Inbred probably yeah uh, we've been closing with that and um where I yell Inbred um I usually try to just get to a point of frying my voice where it doesn't even sound like human <laughs> nice <laughs> like um, and like sometimes it sounds alright sometimes I literally just sound like a baby crying 
No, no, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Perfect. Brilliant. Seb, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. And no, thank you so much. Yeah, this was this was a pleasure. <laughs> and I'll keep my fingers crossed for 2021. Yes, I will definitely, definitely, hopefully have my way. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thank you very much, Seb. Yeah. You have a good one. Cheers. Take care. So there we have it folks, again a massive thank you to Seb for taking some time out of his day to have a little chat with me about all things meth, all things in his world. Um, as we discussed, uh, meth are going out on tour, so you can find out sort of all the details about that and so on and so forth in the description of this episode along with all their social media platforms. Um, I will also put a link to the audio tree session because it is well worth checking out um, even if Seb himself said he didn't maybe go as wild as he would have liked. Um, but yeah, all of the those details will be in the description of this week's episode. Um, and as always, if you're a fan of the show, you like what you hear, whether it's the first time you're listening or the 144th time you're listening, if you'd like to give us a little rating, review, subscribe, it really, really helps the show, boosts up our audiences and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, that is it for another week. Um, I've got another killer interview coming out for, for next week and then there's going to be another little hiatus because I'm hitting the road once again. Uh, I'll be on the road with Ithaca in their mainland Europe dates of the insane tour that they're doing with Big Thief. Um, be out on that for 10 days. But I know I said this last time, but I'm actually going to try and do a bit of editing on the road this time. So you may see a gap, but if so, it'll only be one week this time, hopefully, if all goes to plan. But yeah, anyway, I'm going to stop rambling. Thank you again for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast. And I will see you soon.